Now this is podcasting. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. I am Christian Vasinson, and with me, as always, is Juan Meta. Hello, hello, Juan. How are you doing? Today? Hello, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, I had a fun Christmas. Uh, my dad showed up in my room at eight o'clock. It's like it's Christmas. You want a drink? And I was like, sure. So that was how my Christmas went. That's a great Christmas. I don't know how it could get any better. If you're unaware, this is the show where each week we look at films that made a lot of money and go, huh, that's weird you made money. Why? What's wrong with you, world? Fuck off. Or how did you get this one right? It's a rare... On very rare occasions, occasion, yes. <laughs> but sometimes. This week, we are discussing a film... You may know as Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Pew 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 pew. pew. (laughs) That's a better sound effect than da da da. Released on May nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine, with a budget of one hundred and fifteen million dollars, the film had a domestic opening weekend of sixty four point eight million dollars. It was a gigantic release and had many a record broken, including the second highest opening weekend of all time, highest single day gross, and quickest to 100, 200, and 300 million dollars domestically. It ended its run with 431 million domestically and 924 million worldwide. Now, pull on! Mm-hmm. You may have noticed this film from the year of 1999. Yes. A worldwide total, a worldwide total of nine hundred twenty-four million, not mm-hmm. billion, million. If that was it? billion, then that would be the only movie we should be talking about. Do you have any questions? <laughs> Is it odd? Wait, why are we talking about a movie that came out in nineteen ninety-nine when we're going in like a certain order? Great question. What's Go going on? on? Well, <laughs> this is the first of a couple of releases, I believe three movies, that joined this list, this prestigious list of cinematic achievements. Right, right. Through a re-release. Oh. In February of 2012, Star Wars Episode One Phantom Menace was re-released in the third dimension. It made... $102 million worldwide in its re-release. This is so from, it just went over the mark. This is from Pamela McClintock from The Hollywood Reporter. February 23rd, 2012. Star Wars Phantom Menace crosses 1 billion mark at box office. George Lucas's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace has crossed $1 billion in worldwide box office with 20th Century Fox's re-release of the film in 3D. It's the first individual Star Wars title to join the Billion Dollar Club. It is the 11th film to earn $1 billion or more globally. In total, it has made $474 million domestically and $1.027 billion worldwide. Oh, it currently stands as the 42nd highest grossing wor- uh, film worldwide and 18th highest grossing film domestically. Mm-hmm. Juan, what is your history with either the Star Wars canon in general or with The Phantom Menace? So my history with the canon is I don't think I've ever like seen the original trilogy in full, but I <laughs> 
but I feel like I know exactly what happens. Sure, sure. Because like, you know, the cultural zeitgeist sort of thing where you just, it's just one of those things where you just talk to people and you, you figure it out. Yeah. And um, I probably saw the original, tri- uh, the prequels at some point very, very early, like mm-hmm. when I was probably like seven, eight. So I don't remember too much about it. But one, one thing I do remember is the pod racing video game. My memory of that video game was that it was a trailer on the bonus disc of Mario Kart Double Dash that I had. Yeah, um, I had it on a GBA, I think. Oh, a uh, Game Boy Advanced for those yes. of us who are not video game knowledgeable. Aficionados. Connoisseurs. Can I use that word there? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, that was a fun experience. Um, and I, I do. One of these days, I'm gonna pick up the PS4 re remaster re release of that. Oh yeah, they did re release it. They did. I had forgotten that. Cool. Cool. Now that's some podcasting. Let me tell you. Sure. <laughs> I was a fan of the films as a child. Mm-hmm. There was Including point, these. Yes. However, there was a point, let's say 2003, 2004, okay. when uh, a young me said, I'm an adult now. I don't want to like Star Wars. So I stopped watching Star Wars as a kid, even though I loved them. And- Did you have them on DVD? DVD or VHS, I I I have this memory of going to my grandpa's room and wa- and him watching it or me watching it with him or something, but that could have been a dream. Who knows? But yeah, I remember them. I remember liking them, though I don't have many uh, memories of the films themselves, except for uh, I went to my godmother's son's uh, birthday party one year. Okay. To see, uh, um, uh, you could have uh, said God sibling. I never heard that term before. <laughs> I saw uh, Reje- Revenge of the Sith in theaters. Mm-hmm. However, I was an adult. I didn't want to watch this movie. So my memory of that movie is weird snippets of it, but also me in the corner of the movie theater on my Game Boy Advance playing Yu-Gi-Oh. But yeah, that's my childhood experience with that franchise. When the uh, when Disney was doing the new ones, I was like, let me try to get back in these. I played some of the uh, newer Battlefronts. I I watched the original, oh, yeah. the original trilogy oh, for the first time that I can think of fully in preparation for those. Um, I enjoy the Star Wars franchise as a whole. Um, but I find that the experience of enjoying these movies is very tedious <laughs> and annoying, and it makes me hate them more than I actually do. So I just remembered a bunch of stuff. So, like, um, there was one New Year's where um, me and my cousins all got together. We never had the DVDs or the VHS copies. He just got them all online. But, like, we watched through all six in order. But, again, I was, like eight or nine i was like seven eight at the time yeah so i probably fell asleep like halfway into episode four. Oh, is it how like i almost fell asleep during this one we'll get to that later 
because like at that point it was like 3 a.m that's fair <laughs> so that happened and um that's what that same cousin whose house we saw that mo- those movies at had battlefront 2 on ps2 and we used to play that all the time. Such a cult classic, that game. And then I heard that they were making a new version of it for the PS4 and Xbox One. And I was like, I got to get one of these new systems just for that game. Because we didn't have that at the time. The first console from that generation we got was the Wii U. So I was like, you know what? We got to get the PS4. It comes with the game. And then, you know what? We're going to get a second controller. Because if I know Battlefront... It's going to have a lot of good couch co-op. <laughs> I enjoyed the game. I know you're building up to this game. So I had fun with that game. It's okay, but it was nowhere near the original. How much of that? And I feel like this is a conversation we can have with any Star Wars property. How much of that is the nostalgia? I can, I could, I'd rather go back and play that game rather than the new yeah, one. Yeah, but how much of that is the nostalgia of your old memories of that game coming back when you play it again? And that's just the thing is, I don't want to play a battlefield game when I'm playing Battlefront. Sure. And that's what that is. Sure. It's just a toned down battlefield game. And that's not what I was looking for. Sure. Is that the game's fault or the branding of the corporate system trying to get you to buy a battlefront when it's not a battlefront? Yeah. Uh, it's but, not the game's fault. So. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying I'd prefer to play the other one still. I see. So it's not just nostalgia or whatever. I genuinely prefer to play the older version. I see. Um, so yeah, there's that. We could talk about the sequels when we actually talk yeah. about the sequels. We have a couple weeks before we have to unpack that mess. But pod racing. So episode one, Bon, what is, what is your... Uh, actually, can you give a quick synopsis of this movie? Because I'll be honest, I have no clue what happened to it. Okay. So the opening crawl tells us there's this planet. Uh, I get confused between the two. I think it was Naboo, right? Or was it Tatooine? I think it was Naboo. Yes. I think, yes, it was Naboo, where the queen's facing... Uh, a situation where the Federation is blocking any trade routes from going in or out. It's like, my people are going to starve. We need to fix this. She calls in the Jedi. And then the Jedi are like, oh no, the Federation's trying to kill us. So then they have to sneak into the into Tatooine. And then they hop on a ship. Then they're like, try to escape but they shoot at him. And it's like, oh no, we got to make a quick pit stop in this other planet. Uh, Tatooine. And then um, they find a little slave boy, little slave boy. Uh, he's good at pod racing. Sure. He gets them the money they need. And they're like, you know what? This boy's special. This boy has the last name of Skywalker. So you know he's special. Well, they don't know it at this point in time. The audience knows it because we have the history of the future. We know the future. Because we know this is called the Skywalker Saga. I don't think we knew that in 1999. 
because there's no reason to differentiate because it was all a Skywalker. Can I finish? Go on. Can I finish my synopsis? May I just add great Liam Neeson impression from you? <laughs> Go on. Um, so they bring the boy back, and then Yoda and Mace Windu are like, "He's he's good, but like we don't know where he's gonna go." And then uh, Liam Neeson's like, "Nah, I vouch for this kid." And there's this dude, Mace Winton. No, no, no. There's this dude, Darth Maul, who's also there, who's sure. evil. He's a Sith. Sure. And, like, in the end, he kills Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon Jinn. He does. And then the... Oh, wow, I haven't even talked about Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's there, too. And he's yeah, like, you know what? I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take Lil Anakin as my protege. That's the movie. Cool. You notice how you forgot about... Obi-Wan, like the movie, also forgot about Obi-Wan. <laughs> okay, alright. My my quick thoughts on this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of fun to be had. Uh, I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the pottery scene, but my, also, like, my internet was weird, so, like, it was kind of choppy. I also found that they, edited, they were cutting back and forth between the actual racing and the crowd reacting to it too much. But I really enjoyed the ending fight sequence, the, the battle that was happening and, and all the action, whether it's that or that opening the first time that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon uh, fight against robots. That's fun. Darth Maul like hops off his bike and does a flip. That's cool. You know, I hear people, whenever I've heard people talk about this movie, they say it's boring or that not much happens. I, I don't understand. I think too much happens. Too much exposition in yada yadaing whatever happens. And it doesn't take its time to really develop anyone or anything happening. And just it's I it think it developed like, pod racing at least. It developed a spectacle. Listen, I really like the pod racing sequence. Oh, I understand why <laughs> one might enjoy that scene. I just I, there are different factors that maybe not the biggest like, part of it. I even enjoyed the like going back and forth because like it's an it's an anime thing where like in the later arcs of the series when they're like at the high level of whatever they're playing they've established a bunch of side characters who aren't involved in the actual thing so they're just in the background explaining what's happening so they cut to them every now and again it's like oh no he's going to pull off that move but it's it's Anakin racing uh, mixed with the announcer guy, mixed with them, mixed with Watto every now and then, and it's it's. It, I found it too disorienting. And whenever it was building momentum in the race, and I was having fun, it cut away from it. I was like, I don't. I want to see the crashing. I don't know. I felt like it was perfect. I I, I just again really my internet. Our our internet connection here has been uh, kind of weird recently, so it was a little choppy at times. Um, you know, what? I'll I'll just I didn't hate that. This. I I I just enjoyed this overall movie more than I expected to. Oh, same. I have a note. Fifteen to twenty minutes into the movie, after uh, Jar Jar leaves the court, when they're like, "Hey, can I take Jar Jar with me?" and Jar Jar's like, "Yay!" I have this note. People chose to rewatch this movie? Question mark, question mark, question mark. That's how I felt about the first 15, 20 minutes. When Jar Jar has every other line. 
by the end, I'm like, oh, I see why people enjoyed it. I, I love Jar Jar. <laughs> Listen, Disney Plus, they've announced so many Star Wars shows, and I'm like, I don't care. Why haven't they announced Jar Jar? That, like, there's this huge universe where they keep expanding on all these other characters that no one cares about. Where's the Jar Jar show? So I believe this will be the final episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Thank you for joining us on these 11 or 12 weeks. Uh, I don't know where the, the bonus holiday episode puts out count as. Maybe it's 12 now. But um, thank you for that. Fuck you, Charger. I, I, is this the hill you want to die on? <laughs> it is the most annoying thing. You know how stuff gets built up on the internet and then you're like, oh, it can't be that bad. And usually it's not that bad. This wasn't that bad of a Okay, movie. you know what? You know what the thing is, I think, for Jar Jar Banks? It's racism. Do you, because do he's you... speaking in a non-traditional American dialect. <laughs> he's coded. Elaborate, please, because <laughs> I can't tell if this is a bit or not. It, it, it is not. So you know how, in terms of uh, mnemonics, there's like an African-American dialect, which gets the point across a lot easier with like less, with, okay. I understand what you're saying. It's a different going, way of speaking. Going. It's a different way of speaking, but a lot of people see that as stupid. Now, or as let's say George Lucas did intend for this. Mm -hmm. Let's say he did, yes. Okay. Is there not an issue with the one character speaking this way being the butt of the joke in every moment of this movie, being referred to as clumsy and an idiot? I, I saw him as the underdog, bro. <laughs> like, I, I honestly sympathize with Jar Jar Binks. Literally, he was he was just minding his own business trying to survive, and now he's just caught up in this Jedi thing. He's not, though. He's How? Not. He could have just ran off. There was a bunch of other people in that forest when, when he ran to, to uh, Qui-Gon. He could have just followed them. He said, no, well, let me follow you, Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm banished from my home, but I'll bring you there anyway. It's no big deal. It's very easy to get there. Okay, okay. First off, he realized that that was probably not the smartest idea. And then Qui-Gon offered, oh, would you prefer if your entire planet was decimated? Did he say that? Yeah, because he was like, oh, you see those things that came and tried to destroy this forest? They're going to send more of them, and they're going to take over the entire planet. He was literally roped into everything. Okay, I didn't get that point. <laughs> but in my defense, there was so much exposition and no, like, audience. Uh, 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 That's Jar Jar. No, <laughs> That's they're never Jar -Jar. explaining anything to Jar Jar. 
Chargers always off to the side, like eating a fish or something, and somehow causing damage. But like he's the one who's like establishing the stakes of everything. He's he? Because like when they go to the other planet and like the Jedi wouldn't mess around and establish how dangerous it is. If it was just the Jedi by themselves, they would be so perfectly kept that you'd be like, all right, it's not that much of a concern. But because Jar Jar is there, you could see how trigger happy all these people are. Don't you get a sense of the danger by Watto going, I'm Watto. Uh, Jedi mind tricks don't work on me. That's a big deal. Also, I don't understand why the Jedi mind tricks don't work on him, but whatever. I, I like Jar Jar. I like That's Jar Jar. Fun. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> we all have dumb things. I genuinely we enjoy. enjoyed Jar Jar. We all have dumb. I have a poster for Detective Pikachu in my room. I died. I, I cried in it like three times the first time I watched it. We all like enjoyed that, dumb stuff. Like that fight sequence towards the end <laughs> where like he, he, he accidentally gets tripped up by the dead droid and like he's just like smacks it against the ground and ends up shooting the <laughs> He he disturbs the flow of the movie. Whenever it's building to something, it's a dumb joke. I love jokes, but the jokes were eh, eh, ha, ha. It felt okay. very cheap. So you laughed at Jar Jar. No, I did not. I sympathized with Jar Jar. <laughs> I did neither with a Jar Jar. Again, let me read you the note again. After the first 15 or 20 minutes, I go, uh, people chose to rewatch the movie? So for another example of how he established the stakes. Sure. When they were in the sub, the way the other two characters were acting, it was no big deal. Yeah, because it wasn't a big deal. Those fish they never interacted them, with right? the fish. They weren't like chased by it or anything. Yes, it. They, yes, they were. They barely were. I'm sorry, it wasn't a huge set piece spectacle moment like they like to make nowadays. It felt the. I. I don't like. I the like first that half juxtaposition. Okay. Even, even taking out Jar Jar, I don't like this first half of the movie. I feel like we could start... The opening crawl could tell you everything that happens in the first 30-40 minutes, and we can start with Anakin. It's so dull and drab, and it's just George Lucas coming up with random words and throwing them into stuff, and, and, and none of the characters have any agency or motivation. They're all like, I guess I'm doing this now. Qui-Gon's kind of the main character, but also, like, doesn't have anything that makes him want to do stuff up until Anakin shows up. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a problem. I just... Hell, so, most James Bond movies, it's literally him doing a job. I have no, I have no thoughts on James Bond. I have, I have no retort that may be correct. But well, like that's literally the, that was next. that's literally the point. Like he was sent on this job and he's doing the job, and then while he's doing it, I, he noticed I, this boy. I felt like so much of this movie prioritized uh, building the world over story or character development, and that just frustrates me. 
as at my personal taste. Again, I had fun with this movie by the end of it. It just, I was so frustrated with that first half. I felt like that entire, whatever Anakin's planet is, I felt like that was an entire hour. But that was it just, was. It was. No, it was only like half an hour. Oh. It felt like so long. No, it was, there was no way it was only half an hour. Pretty sure it was only half an hour. Because I had to then... Because help, the pod racing scene by itself was like seven, eight minutes. I had to help my grandpa with something. So I paused the movie after, and there was an hour left. By the 30-minute uh, mark, they had not been on that planet, Mike, if I remember correctly. So it was about... I may be wrong. I may be dying on the wrong hill. I'm dying on a lot of hills today. I didn't expect I would. I apologize for the morbid uh, tone of this episode. Can we... Are we done with Jar Jar? So, the reason why I enjoyed this movie... Sure. I didn't hate it! Is because it wasn't the traditional action movie. As in? As... It is it isn't like the type they make nowadays where it's like you have to have a huge battle every like ten minutes or something like that. Everything's gotta be straightforward. You gotta have a clear antagonist go after them. I, I like that they took time to like expand on the world and stuff like that. I d I'm not mad that there were weren't more action sequences. I I I, I think they were sprinkled out well and I enjoyed what I saw. It just like, felt so forced. Like some of my problem with some of the later movies that we'll get more in depth with is that they never really established the places they were. It felt like they were just hopping from one location to another without a care. Okay. Whereas with this one, uh, the way they went about like going from planet to planet or like how they had to deal with just getting off the planet, it gave you a sense of the real world ramifications of it. Okay. I'm not against that. I, like, I, and I don't disagree. Even in a universe where like all the worlds are uh, filled with people, it's not just like hopping in a taxi. And that felt like it made it more grounded for me. Interesting. That's a fair point. That's interesting. Cause I, Hmm. Interesting. I found, especially early on, the way um, I felt like there were a lot of wide shots kind of establishing it, and it it never felt like it was a tangible world. So I was never able to fully believe in it. So there there was a lot of CG. Yeah. I'm and I just... don't know if the technology was fully there yet. Sure. I mean, it was great on Jar Jar. Don't get me wrong. There's a moment when Jar Jar grabbed onto Qui-Gon and it looked like a Looney Tune. The, the moment... <laughs> okay, this one is some funny slapstick. When uh, Jar Jar was helping fix the pod racer. <laughs> and Anakin goes, Jar Jar, don't touch the beam, it'll hurt you. And Jar Jar's like, whoa, I guess I'm going to stick my head in it. And then he sticks his head okay. in it. No. I found it funny because it was relatable. Because it wasn't that he actively stuck his head in it. It's that he was holding on to the wrench and he accidentally sl it slipped. And then he went to reach it and he forgot where his head was in relation to stuff. And then he lifted. 
I could see myself making that mistake. That's fair. <laughs> it was so out of place. I yes. I disagree. That that moment was not that heavy. All right. <laughs> there was whimsy in that moment, and that fit in. I don't. I... Also, that's another thing about this movie. I like the tone. It wasn't. It wasn't too like. So yeah, there was the issue of the like trade wars and stuff like that. That's the other thing. I like how the conflict wasn't the direct like war in the traditional sense. Sure, that's a fair point that I haven't considered at this moment. Like it gives you a different perspective on what can happen in this sort of universe and what sort of stories they could tell. That's fair. Again, I didn't hate this movie. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're at this weird combative nature where you're, <laughs> you're defending and I'm like, Listen, sure, we I started guess? we started with you saying you can't stand Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. This movie is not the Jar Jar movie. It's the, who is the Phantom Menace? What does that subtitle mean? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be Darth Maul. Really? Or was it the Emperor? It was one I, of those two. I, I generally don't know. That's why I'm asking if you had any idea. I, I actually don't know. Because when it's like, the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I understand this. Return of the Jedi. Oh, he did return in the end. But like, who's the Phantom Menace? Oh, also. Uh, Maybe it was the Federation itself. Maybe. Something fun I remembered. Um. When Anakin in this scene that I'm pointing at on the Disney Plus screen pulls down the uh, pod racing helmet, mm -hmm. I got this weird rush back of this, like, I don't know if it was a bowl or a plate. I have a bowl or plate as a child. That was Anakin's face with the helmet and everything on. And I ate off it, like, every day. So I was like, whoa! I forgot about this memory. I unlocked a new memory. Yeah, I, I do remember that being somewhere in my childhood on some, like piece of ephemera around the house memorabilia what was that thing. word well ephemera yeah what does that mean like merchandise i'm yeah, not trying something. To, i'm not trying to call you i'm like genuinely like i've never heard that word before uh things that exist and are enjoyed for a short time so oh. in my mind going back i see like I tchotchkes see. tchotchkes it's like the sort of like you know, oh, here's a little like a little version of the Eiffel Tower I got while I was there. I see. I understand your point. Well done. Someone took the SATs. I mean, I'm not saying not, it's either one of them. I mean, in the world, someone took the SATs at one point in time. Not to brag, but like, you know how there's the strategy with taking the SATs where like with the fill in the blank words, you had you're supposed to like cover up the answer choices and pick what you would think best fit there sure i might or might not have actually gotten one of the answer choices by just like filling it in myself a couple of times do people still take the sats yeah i know there were problems last year when they were doing it online for the first time i mean 
standardized testings like that has its own set of problems inherently sure. but sure just like the phantom menace now <laughs> okay where i will i will on? say there is one thing that was not great about this film what and that was young anakin himself i was not a fan of the actor i was not up until when it was just him and r2 in the ship shooting stuff he was kind of adorable okay that's the only moment for yeah. me Otherwise, it it was it was hard to watch. Here's the thing: times. he's a child actor. I I get that child actors. It's not his fault. I, I'm not blaming him. But also, what was he really the best they could get? <laughs> I don't know. But also, like, I don't think I love Natalie Portman. She wasn't great in this movie. And I don't think it's... I, I agree. I think it's very much George Lucas's... Because he wrote this, right? Wrote and directed this? Yes. I, mentioned. Um, I find that when he's... He has very wordy dialogue. Oh, I just it, realized. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about our history with George Lucas. Have you seen THX 1138? No. <laughs> I have oh, not either. I watched The Adventures of Tintin. Is that him or, or uh, Spielberg? That's Spielberg, right? That's Spielberg. Sure. Yes, other. What's the uh, American Graffiti's Lucas, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Then he have like one of the breakfast at Tiffany's or something like that. Did he? Now I'm curious. I was, I was, I had a point, but now I'm like, what else did George Lucas direct? Gonna do a yep, we're both search. looking it up right looking now. It up, George. Lucas. American Graffiti, uh, oh, the Raiders of the Lost. Oh, he was a writer for those. He did write, he didn't direct them though. Uh, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the Indiana Jones, all four yeah. Indiana Jones movies. I enjoyed Hot Take, yeah. I, I enjoyed the fourth Indiana Jones, and I hate Jar Jar Binks. Hot Takes, yeah, that's all he's directed. I would have thought there would have been something. He was a writer, no, executive producer on The Land Before Time. Another thing, going may, back to the topic of this movie. May, may, I, may I finish my point about the script? Sure, sure, sure. So every now and then, it, felt, it feels like he thinks the more words a character says, the smarter they are. In his attempt to make it a little Shakespearean or something. And I find he, he's... Like, there's... When... when uh, Padme and Anakin first say goodbye to each other, and maybe it's just me or wait, it was Dylan. She says, "I was glad to meet you," and he says, "I was glad to meet you too," and it felt like too many words were used. How not? See, the thing is, I remember. Uh, I, I've I've read reviews where like this go- this dude is bashing on the Anakin and Padme dialogue, where it's like. Where he was talking about, where they were talking about loving each other. Is it which movie? I think it was three. I have no thoughts then. Where it was like, damn, I can't remember the exact quote right now. Let me pull it up. I I, I, I think it feels like he's trying to sound smart with some of his dialogue. And it never, I think it's important to note, he only is a credited writer on the on episode four of the original trilogy. 
um, if I'm correct. I may be wrong about that, but I believe I'm correct on that. And so, like, yeah. The, the, the line of dialogue is Anakin saying, you look beautiful, and then Padman saying, it's because I'm so in love. And then he says, no, it's because I'm so in love with you. And, like, this in this review, it was supposed to be this gotcha moment, as in, like, this dialogue is trash, it's cheesy. But, like, it just seems like the right kind of love, gushy cheesiness. Sure. But then... Maybe the to, actors didn't to, sell it that well, but I think the dialogue on its own is... But but, but that, that tone of gushy, romantic... Uh, sweetheart honeymoon love right with that does that fit the tone of your typical star war okay so now we're going into um ideas and how to make a film oh so there's keep the hollywood your, keep on your professor hat first uh i don't have a hat near me sorry all right all right so there's the traditional Hollywood method of choosing a genre or like choosing a mood and sticking with it throughout. Now, all the way across the oceans over in Bollywood, there's this thing called a masala film, which is known for having a little bit of everything. And that's how you make a blockbuster over there, and that's how you get people to come in. But that's a different structure and different audience. It, it's, it's, it's not that different structurally than you'd think in terms of this movie. I think this almost fits. Does it? Are we talking about Phantom Menace or, or your, the, the, the dialogue and the... Uh, Phantom Menace. Or like even the prequel tr trilogy as a whole. I can I'll, see it fitting. I'll take your word just because I haven't seen the rest of the prequels in like a decade, but I... Because like, there are moments like that that dictate the sort of genre or the mood they're going for. And like, you're supposed to feel that in that moment. And like, that's what it's going for above being cohesive necessarily with the rest of the movie. Sure... I don't know. I do not know. All I'm saying is I enjoyed the scattershot nature of this more so than the monotone genre nature that they go for later. Mm, I need to rewatch those movies, the later movies, to, to have a clear, clear, clear thought on that. Is... I'm developing thoughts. Developing and uh, to your point about the dialogue, to counter that, I will note uh, there were a couple moments that I liked due to how it's how a normal person would speak. Like okay. your normal Star Wars fan wouldn't talk like that. Such as? Like when Anakin's saying, I saw your laser sword. Oh, I'm not against <laughs> that. That makes sense for a child to say that. He's a child. But, like, there were moments like that as well throughout the movie where it's like, 
it is still grounded in a sort of realistic sense where it's like not everyone has read up on the lore. Um, but for like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and all those council people, it felt like that. I don't know if I agree. Right, that's fair. It seems we're, we're clashing a lot in this in this episode. Um, Liam Neeson is in this movie. Yes, he is. Period. End um, sentence. Submit essay. I'll be. I actually kind of liked him. He. I don't. He. He has nothing to do in this movie. He's a nice, calming presence, but again, he's just kind of there. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Because, like, he genuinely does care about Anakin. Sure. And, like, that is I... a driving force. I understand. And you do get a great sense of him as like a father figure, as like a tutor, as a mentee. I feel like I got that intellectually, but didn't feel that. I felt it. That's fair. That's the, the beauty of art. <laughs> you all come out with different thoughts and opinions, and no one's right. Except for this. When you're being objective. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so, there's been a lot of talk about midichlorians. How do you feel about midichlorians? I love that they're introduced by a blood test. And when I say I love, I mean I hate. Why? That just... It feels so... Again, it's something about... If way... anything, that actually felt natural because, like, for them, it's just, yeah, that those exist. Let's check if his blood has it. It's something about the way these ideas are introduced feel so out of left field. And... So what I liked about that aspect of it is that they didn't present it in a huge fantasy-like context. Sure. That's fair. And like they're like, yo, this dude seems to know what's this little kid seems to know what's up. Let's check his blood to see if he's got the special juice. It's like that makes sense. I guess. I just I don't I don't know. Again, maybe in a week I'll feel better about this. But just I I I I do think personally I'm Star Wars fatigued. That whenever I think of all the lore, I'm like too much too much see the thing with that is i feel like a good amount of stuff like that you could just brush aside and be like oh that's the thing that lets you know they're jedi or whatever that's just that means he's good he's has the jedi gene all right sure it just feels weird that they felt the need to explain it when so often they're like the force will help you know the force will let you know and they chose to explain the reason you're a Jedi? Uh, I don't know. I like the fact that they were, like, 
like drawing away some of the mystical aspects of it. I don't know if it's inherently necessary for the franchise. Doesn't it lose a bit of the cool sheen of it when it's overexplained? No, I don't think so because no. you still have the amazing feats that you could see them do on the screen. That's fair. That's fair. For me, it, it loses something. As I, it's, I guess it's weird going to these movies pretty blind because we both watch these as young youngsters, but don't have mm-hmm. fur memories of the full film. And I, I feel like I do remember one deleted scene from three very oh. well. I feel like so much of these movies have been either memefied or on the verge of memefied that. I have feelings about elements before watching the movie that affects the way I feel about it in the movie. So there was um, one line that I remembered because it was quoted in the chorus of a punk song. Oh. <laughs> Elaborate, please. What is the song? Who is the artist? Uh, the song is Danny Nadelko from the band Idols. Okay. And uh, they quote a Yoda line. Um, let me pull up the exact wording that they use in the song. While you look for that, there's a line I enjoyed that was kind of dumb. Um, they, something happened and a robot goes, that doesn't compute. You're under arrest. (laughs) What? Uh, fear leads to panic. Panic leads to pain. Pain leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Sure. They might have added on to it, but like that final couplet was there in the movie when uh, Yoda was referring to Anakin. I don't know if that's a Lucas, George Lucas original. Maybe not, but like the inclusion of that. No, no, no. I'm just, just I thought, I thought for a sec. No, it's, it's a, like a great idea. It's a great uh, quote. Well, I mean, the band themselves have said they got it from the Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, I just, I've had a teacher say, paying gums before anger. I, I don't think this teacher enjoys the Star Wars. Not one bit. Mm. Um, I will admit, it, it was kind of messed up for uh, Qui-Gon to be like, all right, sorry, I can't get your mother. She's still yeah. a slave. <laughs> That is dumb. <laughs> and also, like, that him leaving her was weirdly okay. Like, they were just like, okay, I'm leaving. And I then get what they were going back. for. But that moment didn't work. No. No, no, no. Because, like, yeah, they have to give Anakin the pain mo- motivation and, like, you can't just have it be an easy trip. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be a Jedi. It's good. Everything's great. Uh, I have a question uh, since we're on that whatever that sand plant is. Mm-hmm. Did we figure out what the planet that was? Give me one second. Tatooine or uh, something. Um, it was Tatooine, was it? I, I do not know. Yeah, it was it was Tatooine. Cool, I the same planet Luke's that. from, in four. Oh, I think I knew that in the deep mind I own. 
Um, the the initial meeting between Padme and Anakin. Did it seem like Padme was smitten with Anakin? Or am I just adding stuff because I know how the relationship goes in the end? I feel like it was something that was developed over the course of the movie. Okay. I mean, still, it's an awkward relationship. Yeah. That is, you know, there's iffy elements to it. Also, why is she so young and a queen? I know this has nothing to do with the quality, but just like, that's a weird choice. You choose a child to be your leader or something? I don't know how government works in these movies. Now, I have a controversial question. I like controversial questions. Do I? I don't know if I agree with that, but go on. So, so if Anakin was a slave... <laughs> why, why did he have to be white? This is Hollywood. No one wants to see a minority in the lead role of a franchise. That's what Hollywood producers said in 1999. I'm just saying they could have had a, a good amount of extra social commentary if they did. Go oh, yeah. In the same movie with Jar Jar Binks. Yes, because that was also social commentary. Of the worst kind. Also, George Lucas is not going for any social commentary at all in any of these movies. Anything I think is in unintentional. I mean, I think I think you could parse out stuff because that's just how you know we we develop stories and our mind works. Are we're influenced by the stuff around us? But I don't think he's intentionally trying to say anything about the world in any, any of these movies. I mean, it's short sighted to th say that like no, you're not trying to say or do anything when you make something. Um, I read a quote about 20 minutes before we started recording in the Zoom call where he's like, yeah, these are children movies and I don't know why people are mad when they're more like children movies. I don't think he's trying to do anything. I think he's, this is his imagination coming to life and having fun with it. And I think stuff because just the way we create characters and stories, it's influenced by how we feel about the world and whatnot. That will come and play into it, but I don't think he's intentionally trying to say anything about the world in these movies. I mean, fair, but that also speaks to what's going on in his subconscious then. Sure. We're not trying to say the stuff in our subconscious. It's in our subconscious, and it's just how it happens to be there. But, like, also, I don't know if I necessarily take, like creatives at their word when they're like oh it's just a simple thing mm. it's no i don't i don't i don't buy that again oh well okay so are you saying that phantom menace is trying to say something or the star wars uh films as a whole or the i'm Blue just Wolf saying as a whole? in general whenever someone says something cheeky like that well, i don't take well, that what about literally. what about this movie then because I, I i don't there's nothing i can parse even even about like something simple about the way humans are in relationship to each other, I I, I can't pull anything, uh, no tor no sort of moral from it. 
Hmm. I mean, I don't think there needs to be a central thesis necessarily. It's just but is little there, moments that, such as. Again, like I, just, I don't see anything in it, which is why I'm like, I don't love. Like movie. I just quoted that Yoda line. That shit is deep and meaningful. Okay. No, I mean like that's about characters and 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 but like okay. Listen, I can get on my soapbox and be like, oh, it's about the human condition, and I I'll sound like an asshole. I know. That's what would happen. But I, is it? I just I don't think it is. And maybe it is. You have to look at it as a, as a wider trilogy or 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 saga or whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, to call because it. I feel like but, in that moment it was establishing what was going to come with Anakin. I don't know, and that and that 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 line in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Reminds of a question I had watching this movie and thinking about you know these are the origin stories of Darth Vader, and I think of Darth Vader. I think of another iconic evil character who we'll talk about later and have briefly talked about, Joker. And the weird need for these characters that are these manifestations of pure evil, we're adding these origin stories to 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 sympathize with pure evil? No, no. In this case, I do think it is a t- in terms of like, Try to avoid these negative ideas. That's fair. It's a cautionary tale. That's fair. I don't know about Joker so, yet. So what is what is what is Anakin? What what are we to avoid from Anakin? Again, that comes up more in the other movies, but like this is setting up what might be his potential pitfalls later on. Because I'm not against complicating and uh, and rounding out the the characters as a whole to present the good and the bad inside of them but just Darth Vader and Joker again just because those are the two movies we're, we're going to be talking about in this fran- in this series that that kind of explore the villain they're s- pure evil that's kind of the fun of Joker at least maybe we'll get to that later i no one's like, oh, I love when Vader's like, oh, I throw Palpatine into the pit. He does that, right? Like, that's no one's favorite Vader moment. <sighs> to be fair, though, there are a lot of people who really enjoyed that scene in Rogue One. Of him destroying stuff. Yes. And being a, a fun, evil badass. But just because he was badass, not... In terms yeah. of like camp villain aspect, he's like, "Yo, he destroyed everything. He's dope, man. He's a, I want to be but, him. No, no, he's a scary villain who you, who's unstoppable. That was the that's the that I think is the main appeal of Darth Vader is that he's this scary dude who can like choke you from afar, and and you're afraid of him. And and, and I don't again, know if that's how I see Vader." I don't think these movies are trying to do anything deep, and so I think he's just this this villain. I I, I don't see Vader as just a villain, as just pure evil. That's from just the original trilogy. Yeah, even then, 
outside of him throwing Palpatine in the end, I don't think there's much inner conflict. Maybe I'm misremembering them. Oh, come on. You're telling me there's no inner conflict when he's fighting Luke. He's telling Luke, hey, join me. Yeah. Because he thinks the evil side's the right side. Correct. And he's saying, hey, join me on the correct side of evil. Okay. So, in terms of making... I feel like the lore establishes an, a clear good and evil. Yes. Like the Jedi Sith aspect of it. But when it comes down to the individual level, you can see how someone falls into evil and like goes that route and stuff like that. Yes. And theory. they're justifying it, their actions. That's what like, that's what villains that who aren't pure evil do. Sure. In theory. I'm okay with that. I don't think... Well, maybe I'm talking on my ass because I haven't seen episodes two and three. It just it just seemed like a weird thing to explore in this franchise in particular. You keep making me want to talk about things that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> Hey, bring it up and we'll go deeper later on. I don't I don't care. No, no, I'm not going to get into talking about episode 8 yet. <laughs> about why Solo or Star Wars story is the best movie in the franchise? Wait, I, did that make a billion? No, it did not. We're not going to talk about it. Oh, and I, I don't okay. mind that movie. That, that movie is an example of what you were talking about with the whole um, explanation thing going too sure, far. But sure. Like... Did we really need a backstory on how Han not. Solo got his name? We it's did like, not. oh, which clan do you hail from? We did not. <laughs> but you know who I enjoy? Woody Harrelson, Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Let them make their Star Wars money and have fun. I mean, I don't. I'm I not enjoy that aspect that of this movie. <laughs> sure, that's fair. Again, I don't hate this movie. But there's, I find it needs to be trimmed. I thought there's so much that felt unnecessary to the story this movie is telling. And maybe that's just the fact that I'm just, I, I didn't watch episodes two and three for preparation for this podcast. Maybe that's my fault. I mean, I know you hate Jar Jar, so that's why you want to cut out all the Gungans. This movie would only be half an hour long. It would be beautiful. I disagree. That Listen, Phantom Menace without Jar Jar Banks, if that movie were released and that's the only thing that exists in that world, that's not a world I want to live Someone in. Someone has uh, edited Jar Jar out of it. No, no, I know that that's a thing, but if that was the only version to exist, that's not a version of the world I want to live okay. in. Ooh! I know what I wanted to bring up because uh, when uh, when Anakin first makes the, uh, the 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 pod racer work, I liked the music in that moment. Shoutouts to John Williams, who I don't think anyone disagrees with the fact that he is one of the best parts of this franchise. Uh, 
Right, the killer work. Star Wars score in general, yes. He did incredible stuff in this movie. And I think it's a good time to bring up uh, the film was nominated for three Academy Awards, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Sound. I brought this up because I assumed it was nominated for score. That's odd that it was not nominated for score. It did get nominated for a Grammy. Uh, all three of its awards at the Oscars, it lost to The Matrix, which I think both of us would uh, are okay with. Very, very much so. Show. That's an incredible piece of cinema. If you have not watched that, please it watch is... it. <laughs> Tangent about The Matrix. Sure. It is interesting, the two vastly different readings of it that currently exist in the popular culture. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. Do you want to unload that or do you want to yeah, save I'm gonna that? Yeah, I'm going to just uh... go for a second. So, like, both the writer and directors came out as trans, so there's that reading of it. Lana and Lily Wachowski, right? That's the yes. first name, sorry. Yes. Uh, but there's also a bunch of dude bros that are like, yo, women, they really do be getting off better than we do. So it's like, you know what? Let's do the... The red pill. We got to take the red pill, become a men's rights activist. Whereas, I think I have read somewhere, heard somewhere that like one way you could read the red pill thing is that like if you're reading in a like queer coded context, is that that's the color of estrogen pills or something like that. <laughs> So it's it's funny to see the this thing that's like oh become a woman or hate women <laughs> and it's the same tool. <laughs> I hate people. <laughs> when was the last time you watched The Matrix? Uh, the first one. Um, yeah, it's been a couple of years. Last year, it was re-released in theaters for uh, the 20th anniversary, and I watched it in, like, Dolby or something. Mm -hmm. God, that movie's fantastic. I recently uh, re-watched 2 and 3. Severely underrated. I still haven't seen 2 and 3. All three of them are leaving HBO Max at the end of this month, and I what? I'm tempted to be like, let me watch all of these in one day. Back to the movie at hand, the other 1999 right. release, <laughs> The Phantom Menace. Uh, um, I was disappointed by the lack of Samuel L. Jackson in this film. I agree. I was expecting 100%. a lot more. 100%. I'm upset that he did not show off his purple lightsaber. Yeah. I guess that because, be you know, they were they made that specially for him. He was like, I want my own colored lightsaber and it's going to be purple. I will say. This is a Samuel L. Jackson I've never seen on, on film before. I've not seen all of his work. But this is zen and relaxed and calm. Yeah, I, I really like Mace Windu as a character. It's so cool because now he's just Sam Jackson. I'm going to curse at you. And that's basically every film he has nowadays. Spe so going back to another piece of Star Wars media that I grew up with. Sure, sure. Star Wars Epic Duels the Board Game, which has since been discontinued. I played as I played as Mace Windu most of the time. The way his the way his uh, 
the way his deck works in that game is very much like his character in these movies. He like mostly he works from he takes a step back and like you build up the deck and he has like a few very very powerful cards but like there's a bunch of other cards that let you just like grab and grab and grab so you like build your arsenal sort of thing before you attack but i digress <laughs> yeah uh we're both fans of sam hey sam you want to come on this podcast you can come on this podcast if you want you're sam jackson course listen anytime anytime mr sam mr sam and uh jackson. uh if you ever want to call your brother pete peter jackson <laughs> we talk about peter jackson too say hey pete these kids they got this this podcast and this is podcasting thanks sam you Love know you. we'll get to that later um do you have anything else you want to talk about with this movie um the reveal of Padme being queen was weirdly anticlimactic. Uh, it was a little confusing. Yeah, it was. Uh, Shoutouts. Um, you know, Sam Jackson we'll be talking about later in the Avengers movies. Um, uh, uh, Ewan McGregor is going to be uh, in Beauty and the Beast when you hit that movie. <laughs> Shoutouts to the fake Padme. Are you aware who plays fake Padme? I don't know who. Uh, star of the Pirates movies, Kira Knightley. A young Kira Knightley. <laughs> that makes too much sense. Yes. <laughs> now, it's odd that her lines are dubbed with Natalie Portman's voice. Hmm. Uh, and that threw me off at times. But yeah, it's really weird that it's young Kira Knightley. And something that I discovered today... One of the other women in that little uh, uh, Padme's uh, women inner circle or whatever, yeah, inner circle, Sofia Coppola. Hmm. Because why not? Interesting. Uh, who's the actor for Darth Maul? I don't know, and we have not dug into Darth Maul yet. And we because this movie to... barely d digs into Darth Maul. Um, give me one second as I I I I, I find the name. Uh, please stall for about five seconds. So, I I love Darth Maul as a as a concept, and I'm a little bit upset with what they did with him in this movie. Uh, Darth Maul is played by I thought I would have it by him, Ray Park. Hmm. What else has he done? Um, according to Wikipedia. Raymond Park, born 23 August 1974, is a British actor, author, and martial artist. He is best known for playing Darth Maul in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace and Solo A Star Wars Story, Toad in X-Men, Snake Eyes in G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra and G.I. Joe The uh, Retaliation, and Edgar on Heroes. Okay, so that makes too much sense because the way he was fighting top notch yes yes he so when was the last time you watched the original trilogy it's it's been a while but i know that most of the lightsaber duels are literally just yeah it's kind <laughs> of painful when you're not expecting that because it's not fun at all and so watching this one all the, the action is so much more intense and fun and there's flips and there's <laughs> Um, 
And the another f- aspect that the rest of the films don't delve into is the double-sided lightsaber. Yes. Which is one of the coolest reveals. So the reveal at the end when he's like right there, the door is like open and I think John Williams' score hits and he like pulls out the lightsaber. And then it's like one side. Yeah. And then it's just like afterwards. (laughs) It's not a zoom and both pop up. It's zoom, zoom, but in quick quick, uh, succession. So it hits really fast. It was so cool. Because his first fight, I think it's just one side of the lightsaber. And so it's just like, whoa. Like, this movie sets him up so well to be, like, a very compelling villain later. But they kill him. Yeah. It's very... (laughs) I'm conflicted in that there's... Some franchises will keep a villain too long. And you hate them after. But it feels like you could have mined more out of Darth Maul. I will say that um, the... The Bioware made a MMO game, uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, I think it was called. Oh, okay. um, they did the dual wielding thing. Yeah, you only see that enough. I think that's the only Star Wars media that did that, but they went way overboard because they were like, you could, you could have like a double sided and a normal lightsaber. <laughs> it's like, I I do think they tried to replicate that idea and coolness with. Kylo Ren's lightsaber in the cross, which I enjoy. I mean, it was a nice touch, but like, it's not as badass. And there's not as much you could do with it. Like, yeah, it makes for more tense moments up close, but you don't get that sense of like scale Wonder. for the overall fight. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, I also want to point out, I believe Darth Maul, other than Solo Star Wars story and one of the worst cameos I've ever seen. Um, I believe they explore him in the Clone Wars franchise. Yes, well. they do. They do. But um, yeah, that Kylo Reven, uh, no Kylo, Darth Maul re- uh, reveal is incredible. And the fight between him, Obi-Wan, and uh, Qui-Gon. I really love the pauses. Yes. See, I found it to be very aggressive. Um... And comparing that with the original trilogy, and the the fight I think of in the sequel is the throne room, which feels very um, artsy fartsy in the best ways. I think in the slowdowns and then the the fluidity of it and and the uh, development between the characters. But this is so forceful and so attack and so Arr! that it's like yes, this is fun. This is fun. This is cool they're, they're colliding and they're jumping and and they're, they're they're falling off ledges it was a delight a lot of fun I, I i liked the 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 scope of the final battle sequence where you got them you got padme and people shooting stuff you got uh anakin and ships shooting stuff you got that weird army of cgi i think you know stuff. i actually do that's another aspect that I liked how they didn't just copy the idea of like, oh, let's just have people in like these um, depersonalized suits and just like they're they're people, but like they're all just like that. I do like how they're like, you know what? We're dealing with different technology. This is when everything was still working perfectly. They literally just have robots. Yeah. And that's, I, I really like that aspect of it. It's like, they, I like that this changed things. 
Sure. There is a... Don't they explain why the clone troopers are the way they are? Eventually, in the prequels? Um, I, I don't remember. Because Jango Fett is a thing, right? Okay, so... A lot of people like two more than one. And a good amount... A good amount of that might be also because it was going back to more of the original Star Wars formula. I see. I see. Really? Star Wars fans? They don't like change? I know, right? It's crazy. But like that that's one of the main reasons why I really like this movie. It was doing different things. I will give it that. Because there's no other... Nothing's like that pod racing scene in the rest of the nine main films, right? Not, not really. And it, it is a it is a giant set piece in this movie. And although there's a large scope to that final battle, it's not overwhelming in the way that say you haven't seen it yet. I don't like the final battle in uh, Rise of Skywalker. It's too much going on, and it's too gigantic. I mean, that's how I feel with a lot of move a lot of the movies that have been coming out in like the last two years because like they're part of these franchises that have been building and building and building. Yes. It's like at at some point you need to come back down because it's just, it's too much on screen. Yeah. It's too much. Be like detective Pikachu. You know, he just fought Mewtwo by himself. Was Mewtwo being controlled by Bill Nighy, Nighy, who put himself inside the Mewtwo? Yes. I mean, to be fair, Detective Pikachu, how great could it be? There's no haunters. Um, <laughs> did I cry when Gengar and Blastoise were fighting? But yes. was there a haunter? Um, there was a Mr. Mime who was very funny. And I discovered that on the uh, DVD and Blu-ray, there's a Mr. Mime audio commentary. <laughs> we all live... In a Pokemon or a Pokemon. Why were R2D2 and C3PO in this movie? Other than fan service? Well, I get why C3PO was here. Do you? Yeah, because Anakin built him. And it's like a piece of the old world that he's could keep with him. But he leaves C3PO on the planet. Does he? Yeah, he does C three PO is not C three PO is still with his mom. Okay, but but it comes back. I it's... understand. I'm curious how that happens. But that just it felt like there was no reason, and they like R two D two is like a hero in one sequence, and like in the beginning, and it just seemed like a yeah. Weird in that case, I don't know why it had to be R two in that sequence in this movie, but. I get the need for some droid. I don't know if it necessarily had to be that one. Especially looking at the sequel movies. But like the, the thing d- is no, in no, terms no. Like, can, I, can I just say the the droids are some of the best parts in those movies. Or even Rogue One. I love K2SO uh Alan Tudyk's droid. Oh, Wait. we're gonna get we'll get to that later. Uh oh, right. That's not the sexy lady robot. No, that's Phoebe Waller-Bridge in uh, Solo. A Star Wars story. That angered me. It's a weird thought that I feel like 
that's a remnant of the Phil Lord and Chris Miller script. I mean, it's just the fact that it's like the only time when it's female, it has to be excessively gendered. Is that the only female droid? It might be actually. Huh. Huh. That's never occurred to me in this. Movie. I mean, it also says something about the broader Star Wars franchise sure. that, you know, it's taken where the fanboys are like, this is a boys thing. Sure. Because, you know, it's it's an androgynous series. Sure. Now, uh, but there's no girl trappings on it. So it's for aid for boys. I, uh, off that comment, uh, the best characters in these movies are, uh, Leia. And I'd argue, Ray. Second thing, uh, I'm going to say this comment in jest. All right. It may offend some. I apologize if it does. We don't know R2-D2's gender. Are you assuming R2-D2 is a dude? Everyone is, man. You know they are. Are you assuming R2-D2 is a dude? I could look it up on the... Star Wars. Are you telling Wikipedia? me George Lucas says that R two D two has? Fuck! I was gonna keep going on this, but I don't want to cross a line. Okay, BB eight gender confirmed. It is a boy. Why is BB 8s gender confirmed? <laughs> Why? It's a ball. <laughs> What? Do you have anything else to say about Phantom Menace? I feel like and, we we and, definitely got on tra off track many points throughout this conversation. Um. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have anything else to say. Hmm. You had a question, though. Did I? You were leading into something just now. Well, let me just check to see if I, there's anything else I want to say. Obi Wan does nothing in this movie. I said that multiple times, which I don't oh. think is necessarily a bad thing. Can we can we just point out the fact that Anakin's basically Jesus? Either either yeah. Anakin either Anakin is Jesus or his mom got fucked by a Force ghost and did not know. Which again, did he have to be white? If you asked <laughs> a Hollywood producer, sadly, yes. Like the Jesus metaphor, come on! It's just it's just ramping up and up. Come Did on. he have to? We be all white? know Jesus was white from Jerusalem. I think that's where he's from. Yeah. But yeah. Um... Ooh, I have a lot. I have a note that says Padme got a gun. That's cool that Padme had a gun. Because <laughs> I was so ready for him to just make her like the queen and not do anything. Darth Maul is cool. Um, I do like the injection of politics. I, think I do think it it is a thing where it was expanded on probably a lot more with the next two movies. But I do like how this movie laid the foundation for that being something that matters in this universe. I found as someone who enjoys Star Wars but isn't too deep in the lore that it's a fun idea but it just was presented as too much mumbo jumbo and none of it i didn't understand any of it now am i an idiot 
Yes, we're not denying that. But I have no but. That's the end of my sentence. I don't know. Like I, I really enjoyed the Senate scene. I, I, I really enjoyed how they established it, how they went about it, in terms of like actually like presenting this dispute in on like an actual world stage or like I guess not world since it's multiple worlds, but like uh, universal? universal stage. Yes. So three, three, three points on that. Number one, did you know that there's like ET creatures in that scene? I believe it's that scene. Like in one of the corners, there are like creatures that are like the A the AET. Anyways, number two, fuck, did I forget all my points? I think I forgot one. Number so let's, three. Let's just end here. <laughs> number three. Um, I have no clue what happened in that scene. Like it's a oh no number two fair point that is a great fun idea of getting the, all the all the people there but number three I have no clue what, what they said in that scene. I could tell you exactly what happened in that scene. Genuinely, this isn't me being facetious. Please tell me. I don't know what was going on in this movie. So, Emperor Palpatine was in Queen Amidala's ear while that was happening, trying to make her disillusion with the entire like um political system they had going on and um by showing how the mechanism was like slow to act or breaking apart and showing how there might be flaws with it like oh they're in the pocket of the federation that's why you're not going to get what you're what you want that quickly that's what put him in power i see why do you think this film made a billion dollars uh, because it's Star Wars. Yeah, it's that simple. Because, like, it, it was so close when it initially came out because this was the first Star Wars movie in, like, how many years? 18. People were so hyped for it. Actually, no, 16? 16. No, yeah, and it, the thing is, it's if it came out today, if it sold the same amount of tickets today, it would have been past a billion because just inflation changes everything. Right. But like, this was the second highest grossing movie of all time at the time. Like, yeah, because that's crazy. I mean, there is a huge pushback on this movie, though, because again, it is so different from the original trilogy. Sure. Like, there, there were, were like entire people who made their name off of like creating long rant, rant, or like the first video essay type things about this like mr plinkett that's how red letter media got started okay like that's how they got big off of the like hour and a half long video that they made about this movie but i think that says enough that a video about hating this can make someone big because so many people are that attached to it because that many people saw it and were upset that it wasn't the thing that they were hoping it would be after however long of hype Spoiler spoiler alert. Um, there's like four or five other Star Warses. And it's the same reason. And and the thing is, with the Star Wars franchise that's so aggravating is that everyone wants it to be what they want it to be. Sure. What they picture in their head. And there's so many people for whom that's the case. It won't fit for everybody. But by trying to make it reach everyone... It's losing identity and like it's becoming this 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's becoming this abortive creature that just exists off of its own inertia. I do think it's important to note, um, you know, in the in the sequel, in the Disney franchise uh, iteration of it, Force Awakens, the, fir- the first Disney Star Wars, is the highest grossing Disney Star Wars. And of the prequel trilogy, Phantom Menace, even without the re-release, is the highest grossing prequel. Um, and I think that says enough that the first iteration, when everyone's excited, makes a lot of money, and never again does it reach the same height. But uh, yeah, it's a Star Wars. So that's why. So that huge uh, speech that I just gave is an explanation for why you should get into Star Trek instead of Star Wars. <laughs> Actually, I think I should. I've never gotten done Star Trek, and I think one of the days it feels like a good time to do it because nothing's going on. Now, next segment, Pawan, mm-hmm. as we discussed many a week, is crazy. Neither of us really understand it until we start the segment that no film is perfect. Wait, what? It's crazy. We always forget it. And then I remember it and I share it with you and you remember? It's like, whoa. So maybe we can make better. We know how to podcast because this is podcasting and podcasting and making movies, same exact thing. I mean, we have cameras on. We're, we're talking, making dialogue. Yeah. Hey, Sam Jackson, you're still here. Is this the same thing as making a movie? There's like an HBO Max show now, which like them in quarantine doing stuff like this, I think. All right. So, Ms. Simpson, how would you make Dang it, did we have Star to... okay. Wars The Phantom Menace better? Well, first off, um, I think we just remove every other word in the movie. <laughs> it's so wordy. And yet it would still make the same amount of sense to me. So that's all that matters. Um, and we, uh, I mentioned the fact that I think this film lacks character and story development. It rushes through stuff and throws everything at you. And so I think we need a good moment to build tension, dramaticness. And so we're going to start with the scene of Luke. No, I wrote Luke. It's not Luke in this movie. It's Anakin. Yes, both whiny children. Anakin uh, comes to Padme's room. It's like, hey, I want to say bye. To, uh, goes to Queen Amidala. Amidala, that's her name? Queen yeah. Amidala's room, because he doesn't know the difference. It's like, hey, I want to say bye to Padme. And then Padme comes out and is like, Padme's not here. She had to do something for me. And so Anakin's like, oh, no, I'm sad. Right? And who, who's, who's the, the, the dude who's talking in her ear? Oh, his her general. Right? No, in in the scene, in this, in the the next scene of them in the in the in the in the talking to everyone. Uh, the dude you said is the evil, who's like telling her what to say. Oh, Emperor Palpatine. Palpatine, yes. So that's Palpatine. Yeah, that's Senator Palpatine. That's establishing. Oh, Pap- I think. I think because that's it's what Senator that scene. Yeah. I think because they say Senator through mouth. Anyway, that's so, what the scene in the Senate was for. That Anakin, was how he got into the emperor position. Anakin's very sad in a Charlie Brown esque way. He walks off. Maybe you get the Charlie Brown song. Maybe you don't. Who knows? So he walks off. Camera spins around, focuses on uh, uh, Padme, who's you know she's sad. She's sad that she had to 
to make the boys sad, but she had to for her job. And then knock, knock, knock. Come in. Palpatine comes in. It's like, my lady, we had to get to the meeting. We had to uh, vote that we have no confidence. A vote of non-confidence. She's like, okay. And they go off. They walk down the halls. They walk down the halls. They go in an elevator. Bing! Elevator goes down. Elevator's stuck. Oh, no. It's stuck. The meeting's in 10 minutes. They don't have the time to get there. They're freaking out. What do they do? Eventually, the elevator comes. And they go see their ship. The ship they're going to fly. They're going to go walking in the ship. Boom! Another ship crashes into that ship. Oh, no. Five minutes to get to the meeting. What's she going to do? Now, remember... Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have like a phone of sort or a walkie-talkie. Right. She also has a walkie-talkie. So she takes out the walkie-talkie and, and, and is like, hey, E.T. man, because I don't know who else this is. E.T. man, I'm going to be late. Can you kind of stall for a bit as I run there? And she spends this whole time trying to run. Is this, this a succession boat- scene? <laughs> <laughs> she runs for this boat of non-confidence. And it's just drowning. It's taking forever. So she decides E.T. Man's going to put on speakerphone. <laughs> and then Palpatine's going to run next to her with his head basically on her shoulder like Iago the parrot. And whisk and tell her everything to say. And she yells. And she, got, she tries to get a vote of non-confidence. And no one wants to agree with her. And she finally comes to the meeting. She's sweating. She's tired. She had to take off like the hair and and everything and the makeup because she's so tired. And she's like, "Okay, I have. I want to put on a vote. Does anyone agree with me?" And no one's agreeing with her for a while. It's dead silent. And then the two ET men are like. We vote with you. And then everyone else is like, we vote with you. And then the vote goes through. (laughs) You're welcome. Succession, great television series. Please watch it. I mean, that's it's it's a great show, but I, I wouldn't put it in this situation. I think I made it better. You were talking about how any genre can be applied to these movies. Yeah, but I'm talking about in that specific scene. It gives off a completely different... If I I did not make this perfect, how would you make it perfect? Okay, fine. Okay. I'd institute a bunch of changes. Like, all right. So, we... They were talking about how uh, Anakin's got a midichlorian count of over 20,000. Now, I remembered another series where someone brought up a level that was associated with power. Sure. One could say a power level. Oh, how, what level is this at? Um, in that series, it was over 9,000. Oh my goodness, that's a high number. And they were like, what, 9,000? That's, I, I'd, int- I'd introduce a bit more of the like surprise and like, oh my God, that's so much in it. And that <laughs> like- series was Dragon Ball Z. I don't know why this is so applicable. Why does it keep coming? I haven't even seen that many have episodes. You brought of it. Dragon Ball Z up multiple times in this podcast. I, I have. Interesting. I will say I also thought of the over 9000 during that moment. <laughs> but go on. So I I add in a bit more of that because it seems like everyone's like, yeah, all right. But like no, we need some of that. Whoa! This dude, this kid's a big deal, man. All right. <laughs> Oh, I forgot to mention one thing that I really enjoyed about this movie. 
Okay. How they, he gave Anakin the choice to come with him or stay there. He said, the choice is yours alone. Okay. That feels like something that's missing from a lot of movies in this franchise. <laughs> I argue they tried to, and then they took it away, but we go on. Exactly. Um... I'm saying they tried to in the sequels and then they took away. I, that was not it. was not. But I digress. I, uh, yeah. um, so there, there's that moment in the space when Anakin's flying the thing where sure. he says, now this is pod racing. Do you see Let's that make in it, space? He did. I want to make it more like the pod racing scenario. Oh. Where there might be like multiple ships trying to escape that hangar at the same time. And he's like, no, because he knows it's going to defeat the thing. So like he's got to go like the same sort of maneuvers he was making with that. I want to see more of that juxtaposition. Can you refresh my memory on what these maneuvers are as someone who's not passionate about the pod racing sequence? Like um, how he went off road a little bit and was like above and then like Ah, came down ahead. Mm -hmm. Or like how he flipped over in front of the person. Off of the mountain. Oh, so it's like so you want him to do the same tricks again in a new way. Yeah, but in the new environment to establish how I see. Yeah. He's evolved. Evolved. You know what? I'd say give the jar give the Gungans their own language. Yeah, why don't they have their own language? Again, this is why I feel like it comes down to the whole dialect thing i feel like that would be more forgivable if it was done that way for most people it's like oh it's because it's not his first language that he's talked so weird i guess yeah but like i mean personally i think it works as it is but yeah um (laughs) how else would you change this movie I think that might be it. Now, I have one more addition. May I add it? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, really, wait. Okay, go on. Go ahead. No, no. You just. No, you, go, you, finish you, your, you finish yours and then I'll go. Oh, no, no. If yours is a funny thing, then I should go first. Mine isn't funny. All right, you go first. Darth Maul. I want more. I want more Darth I Maul. We got the perfect amount of Maul. I think you don't. I, I don't necessarily mean in this movie. I'm just saying don't kill him. Okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. I agree with that. Um, for long-time listeners of the podcast, you know, I love fusing franchises for crossovers. Listen, and we got a one-man stop over here for Fan Fiction Central right here. There is an actress here we know from a beloved franchise of, these, of this uh, podcast. Maybe it's the final, the worst movie on our list so far. You would think that I would somehow connect it to the Pirates of the Caribbean, the most popular Kieran Knightley vehicles. However, nay, I have a different idea. When it is revealed that there is a fake Padme, Padme uh, Kieran Knightley then takes off the hood, takes off the robe. She has a guitar for her indie pop song. It's Kieran Knightley from Begin Again. The great John Carney film, director of Once in Sing Street. I see, I see. Uh, So when you said she takes off her face, what I was thinking is, oh, we're going Mission Impossible 2. She's not in (laughs) it. 
that's not a Kira Knightley vehicle in the same way that Pirates of the Caribbean is. Yeah, but like, you know what? If we're going to play around with identity, why not just go full ham and connect it to the one that did it the most? I see. I see. I thought you were going to say face off. I mean, yes, but that's more actor centric. Whereas with Mission Impossible 2, they were just doing that all over the place. Hey, Disney, we've got some great ideas for Star Wars. If you need some help with that, send me a thing you do. I know, I know you've had problems hiring certain uh, writers in the past and uh, leaving after certain series concluded. Game of Thrones. Are they no longer? Can I thought they were still were. I I think that they, they were after. I thought you were alluding, bad that one. I thought you were alluding to Lord and Miller at first. No, because they left after uh, midway directing Solo. Now, Bon, mm-hmm. these are our opinions. Right. Thoughts. They're not the truth, though. They're the not hurts. objective facts. No. This needs to be the objects. Upon it's time to rank these this movie, this film, if you will. This moving picture. Oh, a talkie, would you? A walkie and a talkie. Whoa, like the one <laughs> Qui-Gon Jin ha- Hold on. I feel like they should have a cooler way to communicate with each other than a walkie-talkie. I mean, I think it was more than just a walkie-talkie. Like you don't know the range of that 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 had a pretty large range that's another aspect i liked how they didn't feel the need to explain all the individual pieces of uh technology that they had okay well Juan, i hope you can see the screen right now because it is a list okay i see it i see ranking let's recap at number 47 pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides at number 46 alice in wonderland at number 45 toy story 3 44 Avatar, 41, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, 32, The Dark Knight, 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, tied at number 21, with nothing currently, <laughs> Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas with, who knows, <laughs> at number ni- 19, Titanic, and at number 3, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Now, Poan, we've to be discussed, I think, either on Harry Potter or the yet-to-be-seen Transformers episode. It'd be funny if we did that on Transformers. Um, it's no longer a turn. We're going to flip a coin to see who's 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 going to input the numbers for this. Right, right, right. Pawn, would you like a head or a tail? I'll have a head. The head? It is a tail. Damn, you get two in a row. Did I get the last one as well? I think so. You did Harry Potter. Did I do... Okay. So, Puan. Ask away. Did you like it better or worse than being tied with Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I liked it worse. Did you like it better or worse than Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2? I liked it worse. Did you like it better or worse than The Dark Knight? I'm gonna go worse. 
Did you like it better or worse than Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest? I need a second to think. <laughs> Which Kira Knightley vehicle do I prefer? Hmm. That's a great question. That's a great, great question. Although I think I prefer Dead Man's Chest as a whole because I enjoy the comedy in that more. This gets bonus points because I think it's shorter than Dead Man's Chest. Um, and things happen in it. <laughs> yeah, I also have no clue what happened in Dead Man's Chest. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I think retroactively I have Dead Man's Chest. I hold it in such high esteem because I like the first one so much. Yeah, I know. Um, toilets better or worse than Dead Man's Chest. I am going to say... Oh, that ending is very fun, though. And I understand how one may laugh at the uh, not-as-great parts of this. Um, at the funny so, moments, you mean? No. Because they're funny. No. <laughs> I mean at points like... Um, this does not compute. Arrest them. That is funny. Because it's a robot. I'm going to say because of the Jesus allegory. <laughs> Let's say better. Why not? Okay. So we got 32 to 37. Well, 30. Wait. 33 to 36? 30. Yep. All right. In the number Tron Phantom Menacing, <laughs> we're going to enter the min of 33, max of 36, and we're at number 34. Not bad. Not bad. Juan, please do uh, state the full title of this film uh, Star Wars. Episode 1, The Phantom Menace is at 34 in our current ranking. Now, I have a question. How many colons is in this, is this, in this title? Is it Star Wars colon Episode 1 colon The Phantom Menace? No, I think... I don't think there's a colon between Star Wars and Episode 1. That's a weird place. Is there a, a dash? A hyphen? No. I don't like that. That feels weird. I'm about to move this lower just because of the Too title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To recap, at number 47, oh my God. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. At number 46, Alice in Wonderland. At 45, Toy Story 3. 44, Avatar. Fuck you, Pawan. At number 41, Transformers Dark of the Moon. 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. 34, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. 32, The Dark Knight. Any second to swallow my saliva. Number 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. At number Fuck 21, <laughs> Dr. Seuss is How the Grinch Stole Christmas and who knows? We'll find out. Number 19, Titanic and all the way at number 3, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. What a list. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Brilliant Dollar Movie Club. Brilliant Dollar Movie Club. This is a fun episode, Juan. This is a fun episode. 
It was. Uh, there were a lot of opinions shared. A lot of opinions. A lot of hot takes. A lot of takes. opinions. Um, let us know if you agree or not in the comments. Let us know what you think of the rankings, uh, of the fact that we made this movie a masterpiece now. Do you agree? Do you have any adjustments you'd like? Comment and subscribe. Is that a thing on the YouTubes? Can you on rate, YouTube, yeah. Can you rate us on... Rate us five stars. Five stars out of ten. <laughs> you rate stuff on, like, Spotify and oh, podcast services, right? I, I don't know. I think I never look at that. I believe it's it is. fine. We, we totally see the metrics of all things involved. We care. See, now you make it seem like we don't care, but I care very much. I, I definitely care. That's why we'd love to hear from you. Shout out to Max Lismiakio for the arts once more. Uh, shout out to... Um, I've said her name like five times already. Kira Knightley. And Natalie Portman. And, and uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, I feel like because it came out in February, we don't talk about him in Birds of Prey anymore. He's very fun in that yeah. movie. He's very fun. Yeah. Ron Rouge, he's a great in. And... Shout out to Liam Neeson's. Uh, I thought you were He's wasted. a great actor when... I disagree. But he's a great actor when... Uh... When he wants to be. Uh, Sammy Jackson, thank you for watching and listening. Uh, let us know if you want to come on the podcast. All right. I think that's all the shout outs, right? There's always a bigger fish. Thank you for joining us for the, this episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Uh, join us next week for our discussion of Marvel's The Avengers. 2012 Marvel's The Avengers, our first... Uh, step into the MCU. First currently, of many. Currently streaming on the Disney Plus streaming service. Currently and probably in perpetuity. Perpetuity? I don't know. There's like a bunch of weird... Like the Muppets 2011 was on it and now it's on Netflix because of some weird... Yeah, but you're forgetting stuff. that like this is one of their main like things on the homepage. We'll see. We'll see. They lost Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. But that's not one of their main like tags when you go on the website. Maybe it was in the first month. Who knows? Join us next week for the Avengers. Thank you. And Thank you I hope you us. enjoy the rest of your week. I saw your laser sword. Have you ever looked at the census data and noticed how at least 1% of the population of major countries around the world are claiming that they are Jedi? Have you ever checked your midichlorian count? Maybe you too can join this exclusive few and with your help, we could get this to worldwide uh, religious status. Join the Jedi. Become one with the Force. May the Force be with you. And also with you.